0: Greetings and salutations is the Thack Daddy, and you're having a Thack Daddy experience. Anyway, what a fucking year, huh? Um, I don't know, man. I'm I'm spacing out pretty hard. If I space out any harder, I might actually get a brain or something. I don't know. Anyway. Hell's Paradise episode four, man. This episode starts with the play dragon dude. Um He's weird. He took a job. His employer was like, Oh, you can't really cut down a real dragon, then he fucked up his dragon archway and he just wants to get pardoned so he can go back and destroy this guy's like mansions and properties. Um He's the same weird dude who cut his hand off and he's hanging out with this little frumpy guy uh, he's one of the Yamada Simon and his name is Fuchi and he's a, a creepy little dude And one, one of the things I like about the show I don't mean creepy in a modern sense because pretty much all that type of creepy means like you know a groper or a rapist or something I mean creepy like he's just weird like cause you know he dissects bodies and kills people so he's a little different <laughs> yeah I don't know the modern age seems too watered down for me like I don't even know how to communicate with people anymore how is it possible to not offend somebody somewhere at some time I just I don't get it so anyway, yeah, the, the creepy, I said he's creepy because the show does something really cool. What it does is like, there'll be an interaction between characters and then because they're warriors and killers, they can sense the bloodlust from the other person to kind of get a sense of how strong they are. Like, would it be worth my while to fuck with this person at the present moment? Um, after sensing Fuchi's bloodlust, um, The Blade Dragon decided that it would be best to leave the little dude alone. And, you know, he did his little thing where he cut his hands free to be like, yeah, whatever. But, um, you know, he still had some sort of respect for this guy. He could sense that that little dude was a little dangerous. Anyway... The background art in the show is insane. It's literally like uh these weird insect mutant things that are very reminiscent of the island of dr Moreau and um I mean, just weird shit like sixty foot tall thing with fucking eyes hanging out like but it's not it's like things hanging out of the eyes. It's fucking real weird. <laughs> like the fish man doing like... Martial arts with the fucking like... Eight billion arms or whatever. And they're all muscly and shit. It's just fucking really strange. Um, and the fish guy... I mean... He, he put a beating down on this Gabimaru dude. Like my thing about Maru is... understand... The Awagakure clan... They have these skills where, you know, uh, if you survive the training, um, you become somewhat superhuman, but at the same time, how much blood does this dude have? Like what kind of weird superhuman shit is he doing? Cause the creature fucking like wrecks this guy and it's fucking really crazy how he wrecks him, you know, like it's really annoying that, I mean, because he's got, like, the blades coming into him and stuff. So the blades are going to this guy's body, right? Meaning Gabi Maru from this fish martial art mutant Dr. Island Moreau motherfucker. And that guy's fucking grabbing him, slamming him around and shit, right? And I I just keep thinking, man, does he have, like, a blood power or something? Because, I mean, he took quite a few nasty hits. Like, first with that weird dude. Who used to be a monk And then he had bloodlust And he was like licking his weapons And being weird And he fucked that guy up really bad I mean (laughs) It was pretty bad How bad he fucked him up Um, But this guy he's, He's bleeding a lot man Um, and, you know, of course he, Gabby Morrow, he snaps, man, he snaps. And when he snaps, he's tearing the heads off of shit. He's, it's fucking awesome shit. Um, it's just like that, the bloody mess he left on that, that island after giving the speech about, you know, killing not really being necessary. It really doesn't make a lot of sense to kill each other. And then, you know, when they make fun of him, he just fucking obliterates them. Um, but in this instance, what I'm talking about is something different, you know, it's, um, it's something different. So anyway, he goes off just like he did on the Island. I mean, he's like, he jumps on his one giant thing's head and he like literally just sets the entire head on fire. Um, I mean, he's truly a man possessed. Um, there's there's almost like this weird innocence to him, which is disturbing to say because he's a, he's a brutal murderer to the point when they call him Gabimaru the Hollow. But I mean, he's only that way because I'm the chief of Iwagakure and his wife's father murdered his parents and then raised them to be that way. So he doesn't really know anything but that. Um, and it's always that notion of the ninja as a tool, you know, a means to an end. But to whose end and for what means, I mean, who knows. But... um he's fucking these things up and visually they're very weird because they're like perversions of global religious deities looking absurd and perverted, like a giant and mindless expressions, vacant and unseemly. Like it's just fucking really weird. Um, and I don't even know if I should have brought that up because someone might be like, Oh, the show's being offensive. But I mean, the villain or the antagonist of the show is intentionally creating all these pseudo realities with, organic matter expressing a perverse absurdity of their worldview. So, you know, I don't really think, uh, it should be that big a deal, but you know, um, who knows? I I thought it was freaky. Anyway, um, they're fighting these giant things and, you know, um, uh, Sigiri's being a little froggy, and, you know, Gabi Maro's trying to decide whether or not he's going to save her, so, I mean, he basically did, but it, it's weird how they have to shoot it so that On the one hand, it looks like he's deliberating this great length of time while she's about to get smashed by this, like, really crazy turquoise blue fucking thing. And then, boom, he snatches her out of harm's way. Um, But anyway, shortly after that, that guy gets slashed in half by Genji, who's another Yosai um, samurai. Uh, and a senior to Sagiri, So he slashes the guy and then we get to meet um we get to meet Yuriha Something like that. Um I just think of her as a ninja chick who's awesome but Yuriha and she's real messed up. She shows up with two Asama, one of them being Genji and um It's crazy because what she ended up doing, like she's talking to Gabby Morrow, trying to convince him to use his strength in exchange for information that she's obtained from her travels across this Dr. Moreau madhouse. And he doesn't really think, you know, he doesn't. Trust Kwanichi is what he says. He doesn't trust the female ninjas. (laughs) And, uh, you know, she tried to seduce him. He puts her in an arm bar. Then, you know, antics aside, because he does arm bar her three times in his movie because she's always being weird. Um, And it's like supposed to be some sort of sense of humor. None of these people are normal people. You can't apply the normal... The situations that the characters are put in are so beyond the pale of what would be a normal experience that within the context of that fantasy, anything is relatively possible. So, anyway, her whole deal with information, she starts talking about one of the, uh, she's with this guy, Moro Maria, and, um... She kills him by basically. She tested the monster face butterflies on him and the centipedes on him, so she knows that you know the, the butterflies are the most dangerous, and you know the centipedes are not as dangerous because they only de- eat dead flesh. How does she know? Because she basically let them eat Moro Maria. Um, <laughs> Yeah, she did a bunch of fucked up shit to that guy. Um, he died a very horrific and sad death. Um, in this same episode, they cut into some stuff about... Um, Chobe and his brother um, Toma. Now, Chobe... This guy is fucking awesome. His brother, to free him, uh, actually infiltrated the... Asaimon. Uh, um... And Chobe's backstory, basically, they've been poor and attacked since the beginning. Their lifestyle literally is predicated on the idea that, you know, adaptation is the greatest strength. Um, And you see this scene where this giant grabs Toma's hair, and it looks like Chobe's left him behind. And then he turns around and he, you know, attacks the giant. But then his brother returns with this huge weapon and he's like uh, you know he so he's "Why not use their weapons against them?" I mean, he's a very interesting character. His goal was literally to get one of their weapons just so he could defend himself. He's a very interesting presentation of a, as a character. He seems very tough. Um he believes he's his own God, and he says, uh, in response to one of the weird mutated giants that say, you know, murder is a sin. He, you know, he says, evil sin? I don't give a shit. You're the ones who decided that. You're slaves to righteousness. You're puppets without your own desires. I, I found that to be really interesting. I think he's a very, very interesting character, and... um I just enjoy watching him develop. I mean, he even says something um, to the effect that, you know, his, his basically his plan now, at or now in that stage of the show, this episode four is to kill all the monsters and the criminals. And then for him and his brother to drink the elixir so that not even death will be able to tell us how to live. That's a fucking intense guy. Um, So that's all I got for episode four. I'll have to attach episode five at another point in time. Um, I don't even know when this recording will get out due to a lot of my technical difficulties and outdated technology. So what the fuck ever. Um, As an aside, I did this awesome... um, I did like a back-to-back like fatality or fatal blow fatality attack on uh, some fool with Raiden. I was using Raiden and I was beating the shit out of them. And right in that part in the song from Radiohead's Karma Police where, you know, he goes, uh, this is what you get when you mess with us. And I'm like trashing my opponent. I'm just like, damn. I enjoyed the synchronicity of that. I found that to be, uh, fascinating and comical. Um, yeah, besides that, I don't, I don't know the way that the world is functioning. is kind of, you know, I'm looking at all the fiction and creative stories and how amazing they are. yet At the same time, The actual world of self is so much fucking weirder than any book, movie, comic book, graphic novel, any of it. It's just so beyond weird. I don't even think that at any given point in time we need to even pretend that whatever the fuck the human experience is and the nature of life itself is something that we could proclaim as normal, Uh proclamations of normalcy in the age where there's so much information out there and yet people are struggling to survive and children are not like as literate as they should be. Well, I don't even know, man. It's just so weird. You know, but aside from that, it's a very, uh, trippy trip, just like this show. If you don't like a lot of blood and gore, I don't know. I mean, if someone tears your arms off, there's going to be, I mean, it's like Kill Bill gore, if you can handle or deal with that, it's not that bad. Anyway, I could do better and I will try to do better. Uh... But unfortunately, like my man Gabby Maru, I'm getting my ass handed to me by a bunch of fucking plants. So it be what it is. Anyway, it's the Thack Daddy saying so long. Oh, I got a little corny ass anecdote. I don't give a fuck. It's corny, but I just I felt the need to make this point, right? Because you know they got those little tiny weird videos. Um, (laughs) that's what I call, you know, the snippet shit. And it's like, okay, like, yeah, um, you know, well, anyway, so there was like that, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson, if I'm pronouncing the middle part, right. Um, and I see him, he's talking about. The Terminator, and you know, and because Kyle Reese says that the only that only living tissue can go through the time machine. If this were true, the exoskeleton of a Terminator would not make the journey. It would just be like a puddle of slime or some shit. Now, this is this is my point of contention, because uh, this is a, a inconsistency that uh, overlooks a, a simple fact. Kyle Reese was a grunt. All right, he came back in time because he was in love with Sarah Connor. All right, so if he was a grunt with no formal knowledge of how the time machine works or how it was built, any of that shit, how is he going to pro-offer an a, a understanding of how the machine works that is effective? It's his take, based on his limited understanding as a grunt, of how the time machine operates you know like come on man seriously like he doesn't know how the fucking thing works and clearly if there's any kind of anomaly relative to the thing then obviously and ultimately like boom he doesn't he's not he doesn't have the whole picture you know, And that's one of the things about science fiction that's great. It doesn't all have to be an application of what's occurring in the real world. More often than not, pre- things that can predict what can occur in the future are often present in the now, in the right this moment. Because basically, the now is always the jump off point for the future. But you can kind of see the future now by analyzing what the fuck people are doing now um in particular i always point out to like 1984 slash brave new world two amazing books that they did make kids read in high school uh and of course they always end up on banned book lists you know why because they are great tools for understanding both the psychologically of tyranny and the psychology of self-sabotage and manipulation um but anyway that's enough out of my stupid ass back daddy's out much love to all of you in whatever parts of the world or universe you're in peace out i'll catch up to you later